Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from this year's recipient of the Criswell Preaching Award, Jeremy Williams. Jeremy is a senior at Criswell and will be graduating with his BA in Christian Ministry this spring. He is the Associate Pastor of Pastoral Care at Concord Church in Dallas, Texas. Jeremy is an extreme foodie and enjoys playing racquetball, hunting, and just being with his family. One of his greatest passions is to see God's people reach their potential in Christ. He delights in taking an active part in God's work in his life and others through leading, teaching, and preaching. Without further ado, Mr. Jeremy Williams. Listen, thank you so much uh, for the honor and the privilege of being before you on today. Uh, I'd love to, to, to act as if I am, uh, I'm not nervous. I'd love to act as if this is uh, just another walk in the park. Uh, as long as I've been in ministry, uh, you'd think that times like this, one wouldn't get nervous. Uh, one wouldn't uh, count this moment as one uh, that I'm, I'm shaking like a leaf in the wind, but I, I also count it not just a privilege, but also the honor that God would choose me uh, to stand before you on today. Um, I, I, I am, I'm shocked, if I'm honest with you. I, I am, I'm shocked. Um, there's a lot of things um, that if I looked over uh, my life that I would be awarded for, and this is not one. Um, if I'm just being very transparent with you. As I look out in the crowd, some of you have gray hair like me, some of you don't, but just keep saying good morning and you will. Uh, but when I was your age, less gray hair, uh, I made a lot of decisions that uh, would negate me from a, a place like this. Um, uh, the church in a pulpit is the last place that I thought uh, God would have called me to. Uh, and like Jonah, I think I ran away and spent many years in the belly of a whale trying to figure it out. Uh, but again, I am thankful for today uh, and come to you to bring you greetings. Uh, the, the place where I have the honor of serving is Concord Church, uh, where I'm extremely grateful that I've worked there for the past 13 years uh, in various roles and uh, have a friend here today, uh, Pastor Michael Green. I believe my wife is in route. She's in education and they're testing, so she is uh, hopefully going to be my amen in the corner as soon as she gets here. But if you would, bow with me in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that in spite of who we are, you still see us so fit to use us. God, I just come praying that this day, uh, that we all be receptive to that in which you've uh, allowed us to see this semester thus far, dear Lord, and all that you have in store for the remainder of the semester. God, I just come praying that you use this time, dear Lord, to be of benefit uh, to not just uh, this, the students, but staff and faculty, but myself as well. Uh, the best sermon is the one that is preached to the minister first. Um, may I dare not try to proclaim a word that has not been embedded in my heart first. So God, I thank you 
uh, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. God, use this time to be of benefit to the people who seek to serve you and the people who seek to follow you and who don't have an idea that they need to follow you yet. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, we do pray. And I also just want to say thanks to Dr. Creamer, uh, the president of this university. I begged him to play racquetball with me, y'all, and he just won't do it. I don't know why. He keeps saying something about his knee, but he walked, almost jogged in here today, so maybe we can get a game uh, one day soon. I, I, I just had my knee repaired in December, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm ready when you are, Dr. Creamer. I'm ready when you are. Ready when you are. Listen, if you would, go with me to uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. They told me I had a couple hours, so just like any good Baptist minister, Dr. Krima laughed the hardest. I wish you would try to go two hours, dear student. No, uh, but Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and it reads as such. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to tell all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 14, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. If you'll indulge me just for a second, I'd love to read the message version as well. I think it provides just a little more clarity if some of those words may uh, uh, catch us up. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers are here and everyone else too found out that I am in jail because of this Messiah that piqued their curiosity, and now they have learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have, have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and about the Messiah. May God add a blessing to the hearers and doers and readers of his holy word. If I could take you back, it was my sixth grade year at Ridgemont elementary school, and I, I, I was excited because it was going to be my entrance the following year into junior high. I, 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 was, I was beside myself. I had a little bit of senioritis, although I was just in elementary school. I, I had a little bit of senioritis, and so I, I, I found myself so excited that I began to do things that I knew were not the right thing to do. One of such, I entered into a talent show. I know we don't have talent shows anymore. Maybe you had them at your school, but we had them way back in the day. And this talent show, I signed up so that the whole school would be able to see my musical genius. Not just my musical genius, I, I, I wanted them to know that I could dance too. And I remember sitting in Miss Norman's class, and Miss Norman was the type of teacher that she didn't play around. As I sat in Miss Norman's class, it was me and my friends. Joe was on my left and Chris was on my right. I'm in the middle, and I began to show Joe and Chris the moves that we were going to do at the talent show. And I told him, make sure you look at me, look at me, look at me, pay attention, pay attention, I'm going to show you the moves. In the middle of Miss Norman's class, and I began moving my feet to the invisible beat in my head, and they began to imitate everything I was doing until, until, until. Miss Norman, Miss Norman, Miss No Nonsense, Miss Norman. Hey, 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 what are y'all doing? 
And of course, you know, like, like any innocent sixth grader, I looked around like, who, me? And she quickly told me, Joe, and Chris to get out of the class. I was embarrassed. I was dejected. I dropped my head. And we walked to the hallway, and I, 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 I told my buddies, I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to get us in trouble. But I, I, I also knew that the talent show was just a week away. And so as we began to enter the hallway, I remember looking at my friends. I said, well, what, what better chance do we have to practice other than an empty hallway outside of Miss Norman's class? So there it was on Sea Hall in Ridgemont Elementary. We, Joe, Chris, and myself began to practice our moves to old Bobby Brown's song called My Prerogative. And as we began to practice, they became more and more confident. And, and I became more confident in my skills to choreograph a whole entire show outside because we got kicked out of Miss Norman's class. We, 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 we wanted to make sure that we capitalized the time that we had. Well, let us think about and reflect on the scripture that I just read. Paul, Paul here, this is one of his prison epistles. However, the theme and the thread of the book of Philippians is joy. I, I, I don't know about you, but when you say prison epistles, that's not just a cute name. That means that Paul was in prison during the entire book of Philippians. And you mean to tell me that you're going to call Philippians a book of joy? I don't know about you, but it, 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 it seems strange to me. I, 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 I haven't been to a prison setting and found the inmates joyful. Especially when the inmates or inmate is one and such who is being falsely accused. I, 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 I just don't find the thread of joy that Paul could have found in being chained. I, I, it, it, it bothers me, if I'm honest. But the theme of joy saturates the book. Paul wrote this letter to the people in Philippi. And as he was in prison in Rome, Paul was likely chained to a Roman guard for almost two years. However, he welcomed anybody who had the audacity to come before him so that he could proclaim Jesus Christ to him. Paul, chained and in prison, wanted to help the people of Philippi understand that there was this Christ that they needed to serve. There was also within the book of Philippians a heavy thread of rebuke and warnings, but Paul would always return his message to joy. Interesting, being tied, being shackled to a Roman guard for two years. I didn't say two months, I didn't say two weeks, I didn't say two hours, I said two years. Two years Paul was chained and imprisoned, and this was just but the start. It wasn't even his entire story. Today I'd like to propose to you by way of biblical evidence that there are chains in our lives that are meant to disrupt, derail, and even destroy the ability to get the gospel out. But most importantly, there's biblical authority that cancels the intended limitations of your chains, that there's, there's biblical authority that seeks to cancel out the limitations of your chains. Can I just pause parenthetically here and say, maybe you entered Chriswell 
with some chains. Maybe you came to Chriswell with some, some things that didn't look too good on paper. Maybe, maybe it's a case like Paul. You hadn't always had the rosy side of life. Maybe your entire life has been an uphill climb. If I'd like to pin a title to this text, I'd like to call it <laughs> The Paradox of the Predicament. The Paradox of the Predicament. The Paradox of the Predicament. The first thing that we see in verse 12 is this. I, it reads as such, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The first thing that we see in Scripture here in this portion of the text is the purpose of the predicament. The purpose of the predicament. When reading this, it's easy to see that Paul is stating the obvious. He is in prison because of his imprisonment. And he's had an opportunity to advance the gospel. That, that's, that's worth repeating. Paul says, because of what has happened to me, I've had the opportunity to advance the gospel. A lot of us would like to say in this portion of the text, and even in our lives, in spite of everything that has happened to me, in spite of all the hills I've had to climb, in spite of all the obstacles I've had to cross, I've still been able to make it. But Paul turns it on his head here, and he says, because I'm in chains, <laughs> because I'm in chains, I've had the chance to advance the gospel. Paul recognizing his calling was, yes, to spread the gospel, but it was also to do so under dire circumstances. Paul understood that he had a calling to spread the gospel, but he had to embrace the fact he was going to have to do so under dire circumstances. Chained to a Roman guard for two years. That was just one episode as we plug out of his life. He, he, he would have to spread the gospel in dire situations. Can I dial back? It was 2014. And I came out of high school and I went to SMU and I was thought to be a pretty good athlete. And I remember arriving on SMU's campus and I was really excited about what I was going to be able to do on the campus and quickly realized that it wasn't just about fun and football, it was also about this thing called class. <laughs> I forgot about the most important part. And forgetting about the most important part landed me with a .5 GPA at SMU. Finally, the, finally the school said they'd had enough of me. They'd had enough of me. They kicked me out. Kicked me out of SMU, so thus I landed on the surface of Criswell College in 2014. I remember bringing in my transcript, and I saw that beautiful 99.5 hours. 99.5 hours, and Chriswell looked at me and said, thank you, Mr. Williams, we're so happy that you're here, and you've been accepted conditionally. Two things, you gotta raise your GPA above a 2.0. No problem, I can do that. And subsequently, you're going to lose 40 hours. I remember thinking to myself, I'm losing 40 hours, that's, that's 50, it takes 120 to graduate. Got a full-time job, I got a kid, got, I, got, I got life going on. How in the world is this going to happen? 
I did say 2014, that's nine years ago if you're doing the math correctly. So nine years has been my journey at Chriswell, taking one class at a time. Some semesters, if I was lucky, I'd be able to take two classes at a time. And I remember thinking to myself, God, why in the world would you call me to ministry to serve when having so many responsibilities that it feels like every day I'm overwhelmed? that it feels like I can't choose my own path. I don't get to do anything I want to do. The only thing I can do is what you called me to do. The calling was simple. Jeremy, I'm calling you to ministry. But my circumstances were dire. I try to balance full-time church life and full-time husband and full-time dad. And there were times that it got difficult, to say the very least. And I recall in 2020, on top of everything else that I had going on, the woman that I called mom passed away very unexpectedly. And the semester was getting ready to roll around, and I remember having a conversation with my wife. And she said, Jeremy, what are you going to do? I said, honestly, I don't want to go back. I'm done. I'm done. And the challenge she gave me was simple and clear. You need to go back. You need to go back. And I remember almost like a baby crying, but I, I can't. I don't want to. My mom was one of my original first cheerleaders. If my mom was here, she'd sit on the front row, and no matter what I said, it'd always be a good job. That person, God, you want me to continue doing life, doing ministry, being a husband, being a dad, and my, my mom, my cheerleader, my number one fan. She's not going to be here. Drove up in this parking lot on the day. And every time I have a momentous moment in my life, I can't help but think, I wish she was here. But I'm only saying all of this to Dallas back to Paul. It was a, it's a dire situation. But it doesn't squelch <laughs> or squash our responsibility to advance the gospel. And I remember thinking to myself, I got a text from Dr. Campbell, and those of you who have been in Dr. Campbell's class, y'all know he's a, he's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> but he's one of the most genuine, pure, straightforward guys I've ever met. If you got a question about what he's thinking, if you got a question about how you're doing, ask him. He's going to tell you. And he said, congratulations, Jeremy. You've been awarded Student Preacher of the Year. I thought it was a joke. It was not April yet, but maybe he's just practicing. And I quickly realized it's not a joke, Jeremy, it's, it's real. If I can be honest with you, the last sermon that I preached in Dr. Campbell's class, I thought I, it was miserable. I remember going home, my wife, how did you do? Oh, that was a bad one. <laughs> I, might, I might fail the class based on that sermon. 
But by God's grace, <laughs> by God's grace, I, I, I'm, I'm here on today, and you're here on today. God has a calling on your life. God has a calling on each and every one of you. Some of you may have come into this place thinking, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to ever have any hand in full-time ministry, part-time. I, I serve in Sunday school, whatever the case is. But it's the case that God has a calling on your life. But sometimes that calling comes with dire circumstances. Went to a conference once and I heard the speaker say, we have to learn how to be in a season, season of suffering and celebration, yet responding the same in both. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. How is it that we're to live this life out? As Paul being chained to a guard, many of us, I didn't see anybody walk in in shackles. I didn't see anybody visibly walking in in shackles. But some of us, if we're honest, live in the paradox of our predicaments. Can I help you? Can I extrapolate exactly what I mean by that? The paradox is simply saying this. There's, there's something that it looks like that it doesn't make sense. Uh, um, your transcript didn't mean that you were supposed to get accepted into the college. You went and applied for the job, but you had no experience. You tried to get the woman's number or the guy's number, and she or he were way over your head, but by God's grace. You don't look the part. You, you're, you're, you're not it. But somehow, someway, you have found yourself at Criswell College. You've suffered with depression your whole life. And yet God gives you another opportunity to wake up each and every day to be thankful for all that he has done. You've lost something major in your life, and God keeps saying, come here. Come here, son and daughter. I, I, I got something for you. The predicament is always something that feels bad. The predicament is always something that feels like it's impossible to overcome. But we, because we serve a God who's able to turn those things that look bad into something that he can use for his glory, Predicaments have purpose. Predicaments always have a plan, an operation in mind from God that we can't always immediately see, but we must stay the course to make sure we can get to what God has in store for us. God has and is in the business of creating divine purpose in the middle of our predicaments. Next, we see in the text the product of the predicament. Verse 13, the product of the predicament. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. My, 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 my imprisonment. It has become known through all the imperial guard that my imprisonment <laughs> is for Christ. Paul had a desire to preach in Rome as it was the epicenter of the Roman Empire. 
And there he would be able to spread the gospel, ensuring that it would cascade to lands across the country. Paul had big dreams. Paul had big aspirations. Paul wanted to make sure that he was able to have open air ceremonies to where he would be able to spread the gospel. And it wasn't because Paul was full of himself. Paul was full of Christ and he wanted to share with everyone that he possibly could. But now under the circumstances, he wasn't going to be able to do what he anticipated or what he desired to do. Those hopes were quickly dashed as he entered Rome, not as an itinerant evangelist, but more as a prisoner. Paul wouldn't have the audience size that he anticipated. Paul's desire was to have a great impact and a large stage and to be able to share the gospel to as many people as he possibly could. However, here he was in the house of the emperor, preaching to the Roman guards, some of which were the personal guards of Caesar. Paul had hoped to preach to those who wanted to hear him, but instead he had to preach to those who sought to silence the very gospel that he was trying to get out. Dire circumstances. Paul now found himself in. Paul made the best of his predicament. Paul made the very best that he could of his predicament. It was in 2014, it was a little boy named Willie Merrick. A little boy named Willie Merrick, he was playing in the front of his house. Playing in the front of his house and just minding his own little, little business. And, 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 and here comes along a kidnapper. Kidnapper kidnaps little Willie. It's a true story, you can Google it once you're out of chapel, I promise you. I, I was always told by Dr. Campbell, never tell a lie when you come to your... <laughs> when it comes to your illustrations. Little, little Willie Merritt was playing in his front driveway. Kidnapper came along and kidnapped Little Willie. Little Willie was in the car for almost three hours. In the car for almost three hours. It's somewhere around a little hour mark. Willie got a little antsy, got a little nervous and didn't know exactly what to do. But the kidnapper didn't realize who he had kidnapped was a church key. Some of you were church, church kids. Y'all were drugged to church. Y'all were voluntold what you were going to do in church. You, you stayed at church from sunup to sundown. Some of you, not all of you. Willie was one of those type of kids, and Willie loved to sing. Willie loved to sing, and Willie, being nervous and anxious and scared, didn't know what else to do, so he started singing a song every praise. If I had a voice, I would give you what the song says, but Willie sung the song over and over and over and over again until the kidnapper had got enough of it and he said, get out. He opened the door and kicked Willie out of the car. <laughs> Willie found himself in a, in a predicament. Willie, Willie was kidnapped. Kidnapper had some bad intentions for him, I'm sure. He had drove him some three hours away from his home, but then he kicked little Willie out the car. When God allows us to be in a predicament, might we have the audacity of Paul and even little Willie to say and speak boldly of what we know about Jesus Christ? When we find ourselves when our backs are against the wall and we don't know what else to do, might we be bold enough to say, I trust God? July 24, 2020, felt like my life had ended. Felt like all of my purpose had been drained. 
as I had to stand and celebrate the life of a woman who had been everything to me. Found myself in a, in a predicament, painful predicament. And I wondered how in the world will I make it out of this season? And I remember reading through cards. Jeremy, I'm praying for you and your family. Know that the Lord loves you. I wanted to just drop this scripture off with you. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. <laughs> All of the scriptures that I sought to comfort others with were beginning to come back to me. But for a moment, I said to myself, this is unfair. God, you're not playing fair. In a predicament. But might it be the case? I remember I had, had an expensive friend called a counselor at the time. And, and she was trying to help me walk through that season. And I remember her saying, how much time are you going to take off? And the church had given me a blank check on PTO. Hey, take as much time as you need. And I remember thinking to myself, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the proper amount of time is. I, I don't know what it is. I tried to Google it to try to find what the standard was. I couldn't find or nail down a specific thing. But here is, here is what I was told and where I landed. Jeremy, I called you to this. And I'm going to get you through it. You can sit at home, you can lick your wounds, you can grieve as you need to, but you're going to have to get up, you have to put on your good clothes, you have to go out there and you're going to have to help people who are struggling through grief and loss. The only problem with that is, is my name is Jeremy. I was almost Jeremiah, but he was the weeping prophet. I'm much like that. If somebody else is sad, I'm sad too. If you're grieving, I'm grieving right along with you. And I'm saying, God, why would you put somebody like me in a place like this? Remember him whispering to my heart, my grace is sufficient. Everybody knows that Paul had this, this issue with a thorn. Paul struggled with an issue of a thorn, and Paul begged and pleaded with God, if it be your will, would you take this from me? dire circumstances. I, I, I begged and pleaded, God, if it's your will, give me something else to do. Let me go work at Six Flags where it's always fun. Let me do something that's exciting to where people aren't crying day in and day out. Let me, let me go to Chick-fil-A. Hey, how can I help you have a lovely day? Let me do something that I would enjoy. But this, dear God, why? As you sit here on today, I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but you do. Might I just give you this encouragement that God is also telling you, although the circumstances seem dire, my grace is sufficient for you. God has enough grace in the hem of his garment to cancel out all the doctors in Dallas, Texas. My grace is sufficient for you. Finally, as I hurried to my seat, 
there's a thing here in the text is the praise in the predicament. The, the, the praise in the predicament. Verse 14, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the words without fear. Most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the words without fear. If I could just dial back, one thing I forgot to say and the purpose of the predicament is this, is that Paul desired to preach to all of the Roman Empire outside of the emperor's house, but he found himself on the inside. Found himself on the inside of the emperor's house and guess what he did? He began preaching to the guards. Can I help you here? He wouldn't have had the ability to preach to the guards and get word back to the emperor unless he was chained. Some of you look at your situations and think to yourself, God, what are you doing? There's a point, there's a purpose, there's a center and a circumference, and God is just simply using us in whatever space we sit in to accomplish his work to advance the gospel. Lastly, as I mentioned, the praise and the predicament. Imagine Paul here being, bless you, imagine Paul being shackled to some crusty foot Roman soldier. They didn't have Dove or Dow or any of those Irish Spring. I, I'm sure they didn't take baths every day. High in the world, they take baths. They were chained to somebody. He had to stink. I'm sorry, stink. Paul shackled to this old crusty foot Roman guard. The very thing that he was imprisoned for, he continues to do. <laughs> the very thing that he was shackled and chained for, Paul finds the audacity in Jesus Christ to say, you're not going to stop me. Can you imagine the scene? People would come to him and try to figure out who Christ was and Almost like a show, he would he'd be sitting there chained to this nasty, crusty foot guard. Doing the very thing he was in prison for, sharing and spreading the gospel. But now he provides a praise report to the people at Philippi. He, 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 he's, writing, he's writing them, giving them a praise report. And it wasn't because he had been released, he was still shackled. But as he penned the letter, I'm sure... He had to be reminded of his circumstances, which were not far from him. He says, most of the brothers, having become more confident or by my imprisonment, they have become confident. You can't read that too fast. Listen, you, you, you can't read that too fast. The very people who have been brainwashed, accepted, a way of life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ were, were, were in that moment, in that moment being converted. <laughs> they were being converted by their captive. <laughs> I know, I know, look, I told you it's a, it's a paradox. It doesn't make sense. How in the world is it that Paul is in prison and he's converting his prisoners? <laughs> He's converting the guards. Paul is bold enough. But it even takes it a step further in verse 14. He begins to report out 
to everybody. It is because of my chains that they are being saved. Not only are they being saved, guess what? It says that they are proclaiming the gospel without fear. They too were willing to be chained for the sake of something they didn't believe before Paul got there. <laughs> before Paul arrived, before Paul arrived, I'm sure they were popping their collars, proud of their job. I work for the emperor, you know me? <laughs> Paul shows up and turns everything that they believed on their head. Here's my question. In what setting, in what situation have you changed? How bold and daring are you willing to be for the sake and the call of Christ? Can I tell you something else? God isn't concerned about your circumstances. He loves you. He cares for you. But he's not overly concerned from the standpoint, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with Jeremy? He's grieving. Like any good father, he wraps me up at night and hugs me. So I can't stand it sometimes. In the song, I remember Hayden said sometimes we're, we're afraid to go to God because of all the things that we have done. Have you ever done that? You ever done that? You feel like you don't deserve a godly hug. <laughs> you don't feel like you deserve to be close to God. And God is saying, come here, son or daughter, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in. I love you anyhow. Maybe you've done that detestable, dirty thing that you said you'd never do again. Remember, I did say again. <laughs> Even Paul says the very thing I wish I didn't do. I find myself over and over again wrapped up in that scene. But God says my grace is sufficient. God says my, my grace is sufficient. There we were. There we were in the, in the middle of B-Hall. I got to rush to a closer. In the middle of, middle of B-Hall practicing dance moves after Miss Norman had kicked us out. Joe and Chris getting it together. Chris had three left feet, but he was, he was trying to make it happen. He had no rhythm to save his life. You couldn't pay him to have rhythm. He, he, he just didn't. Chris didn't have it, but Chris became all the more confident. I'm not talking about you, Chris. It was another Chris. You're way too young, Chris. It, it, whole nother Chris. Chris. Chris didn't have confidence at all. By the end of that 30-minute stint in the hallway outside of Miss Norman's class in B-Hall, we, we had our routine down. We had our routine down. Remember, Miss Norman came out, of the, came out of the classroom. Have y'all learned your... And just, she saw us. What are you doing? I remember, what are you doing? And she was so disappointed. In my youthful immaturity, you know what I said? We got our moves, Miss Norman. You want to see them? <laughs> We're ready for the talent show. She dropped her head. And I told Joe and I told Chris, hit it. Let's do it. And on cue, I mean, we did it. We got down. <laughs> I 
storm and looked up. She allowed us to finish. And she said, Jeremy Williams, you know you've been a thorn in my side since the first day I had you in this class. But I know God is going to do great things through you because if you can use time out in the hallway to get a whole dance routine together, if you use that same energy to serve God, boy, the sky's the limit. That was in sixth grade. Can I, can I help you with something? That was in sixth grade. Ms. Norman spoke over my life. From sixth grade on, I was... Excuse my, I was hell on wheels. <laughs> it wasn't a year that I didn't get in trouble. I was at SMU, I went to jail. <laughs> it's not important why. <laughs> and you can't Google it because it wasn't all of Facebook and TikTok or none of that around. <laughs> it's been expunged. <laughs> listen, listen. Sixth grade, sixth grade, Miss Norman spoke a word over my life. And from sixth grade until 45, the Lord has kept me. The Lord has saved me from myself time and time again. But here's a simple message I want to give you. Don't overextend God's grace. Don't misuse God's grace. God has doors that he opens that only he can close. God closes doors that nobody can open and he gives us opportunities. But you never know when that opportunity might have been your last at that. My prayers for you is the same as for me and my children is that one day, one day, one day, we might wake up and realize that our circumstances are dire. I don't know if you've looked at the news lately. I don't know if you've seen all the reports that are out. Kids are being killed left and right. People are using guns the same way they used to use fists or even their mouths just to talk things out. You can't throw a rock and hit a good politician. I don't care what side you sit on. The world is in dire need of you and me. What will you do in the paradox of your predicament? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that in spite of us, you decide to use us. Thank you that in spite of our situations, you do a work in and of us that only you can get credit for. God, remind us today the reason as to why we are proclaimers of your gospel, that we are carriers of your word, is so that we can disperse it to those who need it most. Thank you. Thank you for all the failures in our life that remind us that your grace is sufficient. But God, may we be diligent in doing that in which you called us to do, but never missing being who you've called us to be. May we be bold in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.